I'm here with Anthony Toisson, who is a senior IT security officer at the European Stability Mechanism in Luxembourg. Welcome, Anthony. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Amy. I'm glad that I'm here. You know, Anthony, I remember we met, It was the course was in April 2019, and since then you've been working a lot using this model, and I know you've shared some partner success stories. So what's one of the success stories you'd like to share with the listeners? I'd be glad to share that. True, in April of 2019, I took your course, and I remember on the very first day, you quickly spotted that I was a reactive person, both in my physical movements and in my communication. Yeah, I remember. It was like you would react so rapidly, like you were panicked or stressed, rather than being a positive reaction. That's true. When people asked me to stand up or sit down or lower my arms, I reacted right away. Got it. And in speech, when people ask me questions or ask me to do something, my automatic response would be yes. Yes, even before you knew what you were saying yes to? Well, before fully understanding what that meant. So, yes, that's true. So there was a, you were potentially overcommitting yourself to things that you wouldn't necessarily want to say yes to. That is true. Got it. Resulted in a lot of stress throughout the workday for accepting all of these requests. Right. Okay. Oof. Yeah. So what was your motivation to change this behavior? What was going to be the payoff for you? For me, I wanted to, to act like the partner mode rather than the prey mode. Because if I say yes to everything, people will see me as an easy prey that mm. would ask all the time to do things for them. Got it. And that overcommitting and always having to say yes is exhausting and can build up stress physically for us. Yes, that is true. Okay, so it was more about reducing some of the work stress and also commanding greater presence in order to get greater buy-in. I think that was one of the things I know you had talked about. Yes, I wanted to be more authoritative so that people would respect me both in meetings and in daily conversations at work. Okay, got it. All right, so tell us about one of the applications with the model. I decided to apply this model with my six-year-old son. And what's his name? His name is Nathan. Nathan, okay. His name is Nathan. As with all six-year-old boys, he is impatient and would like to get whatever he wants instantly. Yeah, hey, I know some 56-year-old people who want that too, instant gratification. <laughs> right. Then what I did was my son normally asks for my smartphone and he wants to play for that. Normally before taking your course, I would immediately give the smartphone to him so that I cannot be... I wouldn't be interrupted with whatever I was doing. Got it. But I thought that was a selfish thing of me, just to think of myself. And I saw this as a perfect opportunity to practice the skills I've learned in the course. Okay. So when my son Nathan asked me, Daddy, can I use your smartphone? I thought about it for a moment to check if it's really the right time for him to play with a smartphone. Brilliant. I was tempted to 
give it to him right away. Sure. But I thought that maybe he could learn some patience as well. So what I told him was that, Nathan, please read your book before you can play with my smartphone. Wow. And I love how clear it was. You used his name, even in a father-son relationship, that's a form of respect. You made a statement with a down inflection, so you didn't allow it to be a question because if you said, Nathan, how about you read your book first? Then he would have thought, oh, we can discuss this. This is up for debate. Maybe I can convince Daddy to give me his phone. Though you made it so clear and so sure with that down inflection that it, it really carried that air of authority. And we, we all know that it may still not work, so what happened next? Okay. That is true. I, I had to do that because knowing Nathan, he would have said, no, if it were a question. <laughs> now, what happened next was I felt he was uncomfortable with my response because he was not used to that. Sure. He said, oh, so that's his way of saying no and also using emotion right. to appeal what, uh, whatever I, I said. Right. So, oh, daddy loves me so much. He doesn't want to see me in pain. He'll give me his phone if he sees how much I'm in, I'm hurting. <laughs> so what went to my, through my mind at, right there and then, was I going to soften up or give up? Or was I going to be persistent in what I am asking him to do? Wow. So you were really present throughout this whole exchange. Yes. And it pays that it happens in a low stress environment. Yeah. So you, I could think clearly. Right. So what I did, I said the same thing over again with the same tone, with the same downward inflection, using his name also. And so here, it, we call that the broken record approach. So you said it a second time. And then what happened? Nathan said, oh, but he went, went to take his book and then sat down to read his book. So he didn't have a, a tantrum. He didn't get really upset. He showed he was still disappointed and he acquiesced. He agreed, okay, this is the way it's going to be. I accept. Yes, that is true. I know he was disappointed, but he had to do that. Right. So that's true. He did not have any tantrums. He just followed what I said. Brilliant. You, what, did you, what went through your mind right after that happened? I thought, wow, it's amazing. It never <laughs> happened like this before. Uh, I know if I soften up a bit, he will say no. He will persist on getting that smartphone. But since I was adamant and I was uh, forthright in what I am asking him to do, then he was able to get the message and did as yeah. he was. Yeah. Also, congratulations for tackling this now when he's six and not waiting till he's 16 because, oh boy, would that be difficult. <laughs> that was what I thought as well. From this scenario, I learned boundaries and I wanted Nathan to learn boundaries early on so that he will carry with this, uh, this with him for the rest of his life. Well, that's a, a lovely motivation to stick with the developing the behaviors so they become natural. Well done. So now I'm curious to know, Anthony, how this has also played out for you in your professional life. 
because I remember in the program, by day three already, you were integrating a lot of these skills where you were physically responding versus that you know quick, reactive, almost rabbit-like energy. There was much more of a calmness. So what have you been noticing in the work environment? In the work environment, when I walk through the hallways and when people ask me questions or ask me to do certain things, now I feel that I am empowered to say yes or no. That would be my choice. And therefore, I can be free. I would have less stress throughout the day. And people would understand, would accept my response. Wow, that's brilliant. And so have you had anybody who's fought you on that or pushed back or resisted? Oh, there were times that people still wanted it, but I had to, and I had to, to stand my ground and say the reasons why I cannot take on that work anymore. And mm -hmm. they would understand. Wow, I, I love hearing that. So it sounds like it was, I'm guessing, maybe a little bit scary where you had to stand your ground, and yet you're such a reasonable person that the explanation was a valid one. That is true. It's a scary, scary for me to, to do that because I didn't know how they would react. But I had to, and I had to uh, do it the first time. Once I have done that, then you've gone through the, the hill, yeah, and it would become a little bit more and more second nature as time passes by. Okay, so what I'm hearing is by being bold and brave and daring to do it, the, the courage, the confidence also increases in the going forward do, to do it again. That's correct. Nice. Confidence grows, grows more and more moving forward. Okay, so how else have you been applying it in the work environment? In the workplace, I did receive feedback that I tend to give long introductions during meetings. Got it. So, attending the meeting got impatient or bored when I gave give my introductions. So since I took the course, I learned that speaking slowly and deliberately with emphasis makes better communication. This forced me to choose my words caref carefully so that I can say things in shorter statements rather than the previously long statements that I made. Yeah, and what I've been noticing today as we've been talking is it's not that you're speaking really slowly as much as you're keeping your sentences short and there's these little micro pauses which make it really easy for me to digest everything you've said and, and, allow, and creates more patience within me as the listener. Oh, thank you. Excellent. So have you gotten, what have you noticed precisely in these meetings since you've been using this new way of introducing meetings? I noticed that people are less impatient in the meetings because I can get to the point very easily in 30 seconds or less. So we could get on with the meat of the meeting. Congratulations. Finish earlier. Yeah. Wow. They must be thrilled. Yes, everybody's thrilled if you finish your meetings earlier. That right. And a few minutes. Anthony, I also want to give you a compliment because somehow you got, someone was willing to give you that feedback. 
And as a senior person, people don't always want to give feedback that is considered negative or critical. And so is this something, have you consciously asked people for feedback or do you feel like you've got enough of a rapport with them that they're willing to say it? This person or these people who gave you this feedback, how did that come about? It's true that it's difficult to give feedback, especially if it's negative. This happened in the context of a mid-year performance review. Okay. So discussing so, with my boss. Yeah. Okay. I'm delighted to hear that. And one thing I'm going to encourage you to do if you're not doing it already, and this is really powerful for the listeners, we don't always want to wait for the mid-year review because that could, that could be a long time. And sometimes we won't get the feedback. So if you're not already doing it, Anthony, I'm going to encourage you to proactively check in with people. Say, hey, what do you need to tell me that you don't want to tell me? Or what, in your opinion, what can I do more of or differently to be more effective? And just by asking those kind of questions, one, they may say nothing. So you might have, you know, oh, well, everything's fine. So you might have to ask it once every three or four weeks so they know you really want to hear it. You really need you're really interested, even if it's uncomfortable to say. And that way you're creating your own feedback loop and you're also developing a reputation within the organization as this is a guy who's not afraid to hear something that's uncomfortable. I think that's a very good idea, Amy. Rather than waiting for six months to get your mid-year review, you can do it every three to four weeks or every month. You can get yeah. And the cool thing is, is that it's possible that you'll start creating a proactive way for people to show up that they'll come to you, to you even if you haven't been asking them if you do it frequently enough in the beginning. I think that would be the result if people see that you're open to hear feedback, yeah. negative feedback. Excellent. So Anthony, before I let you go, I have one question for you and you get to give me this answer to me in 30 seconds or less <laughs> so we can practice your concise speech. What is one piece of advice or one tip that you would give to listeners for staying in partner under pressure? That is a good question. To stay in partner mode, I would advise that people deliberately and consciously picture themselves acting in partner mode. At the beginning, it will feel unnatural. Sometimes you might find yourself forcing yourself into it, but when you've done the first one, the succeeding ones would be easier. Excellent. Yeah, and that deliberate and conscious, what I'm hearing is when you're practicing, don't just hope for the best, carve out specific time to do it and then do it regularly. Yes, that is true. Even yeah. sometimes rehearsing, the conversation in your mind before it happens so you know what to expect and be able to respond appropriately. Brilliant. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. It's been delightful speaking with you. Thank you, Amy. It's been a delight as well for me. Great. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, happy partnering. <laughs>